0: Hello and welcome to this Outchanging World podcast from RNZ National, presented by Alison Balance and Veronica Maduna. Last year, the Department of Conservation declared war on weeds, and one of the worst offenders that's just been added to the dirty dozen is one that doesn't have a wide public profile. But Darwin's barberry is surprisingly weedy in some parts of the country, and scientists have been working for many years to find biocontrol agents that might kill it, or at least knock its numbers back. Alison joins Megan Bangs from Greater Wellington Regional Council as she releases some tiny weevils that everyone hopes might be a bit of a silver bullet for Barbary Control. So, Megan, we're up on the skyline walkway in Wellington, the makra end of it, and we're in search of some bushes, which are actually not no. hard to find.
1: Yep. Do you want to explain what this enormous bush is? OK, so it's Darwin's Barbary, and as you can see, there's a lot of it on these western hills here. So this is a
0: South American plant that's very conspicuous in spring when it's covered in these very bright orange flowers.
1: That's right, yep, yep. You notice that the, the hills here, it's the dominant vegetation really, so it's all can just be all orange. The Darwin's Barbary isn't in flower now.
0: What it does have though is lots of fruits all over it.
1: Yes, the birds will be is, loving that. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I
0: assume that's why it's so widely spread. Yes,
1: yep. The birds love it. And rats as well too. They'd be eating it and spreading it around. Is it more
0: shade-tolerant than gorse? It is,
1: actually, yeah. It's reasonably shade-tolerant. I mean, the good thing about gorse is as natives regenerate and come through, it um, dies out. But we haven't seen quite as much evidence of that with the Darwin's Barbary.
0: Now, you're holding a box, which you think, or you hope, might be the answer to this Darwin's Barbary. Yep,
1: yeah, these are um, Darwin's Barbary seed weevils. So they feed on the seed and the fruit, Once the numbers build up, they're going to eat those seeds and just, you know, reduce the number of seeds, so hopefully we will reduce the number of plants spreading. Okay, so we'll release them here. We can see there's some new growth happening on the branches, so the weevils will like that.
0: How many weevils have you got in there?
1: We've got 280, and 180 of those are just going to be released at the base of the bush, and they'll go and explore their new home. We've got two lots of 50 here, and we're actually going to put them into this mesh sleeve, which we will tie over a branch. So it's a bag, pillowcase size, made out of what looks like a piece what? of neck curtain. It does, <laughs> yes, yep,
0: that's right. So that, that's just a way of containing them.
1: Yeah, so we're still trialling, really, and um, trying a diff- few different things. What are they going to be eating? The adult weevils eat the foliage, so the fruit's not so important. That's where they lay their eggs, though, which isn't till spring anyway. So we're going to contain them in here over winter and then take the sleeve off after winter. And hopefully they would have mated by then and go off and lay their eggs. So it's prickly, of course. i have just put some of these gloves on.
0: So inside of quite a small yes, there's
1: a whole lot of crumpled tissue and... oh. And 50 weevils. So they're quite small, they're probably four to five millimetres. Quite active though, crawling around. Yeah, it's quite warm today, so they're liking that.
0: To find out more about the biological control of weeds and how Megan came to have these Darwin's Barbary seed weevils, I'm off to Landcare Research in Lincoln to meet Hugh
2: Gourlay. New Zealand has around 10% of the world's flora, about one of the only countries in the world that does. So we have more invasive uh, weedy species of plants in New Zealand than we do natives. And um, we have a new plant that escapes from a garden into our native environment about every 39 days. Those are really scary facts. And um, weeds cost this country billions, not just in terms of farmers and controlling them, but also in consumer costs as well. So when you buy your groceries down at the supermarket and you buy vegetables, you were paying for uh, that farmer having to have controlled weeds within his crops as well. Yeah, weeds are a really significant problem in New Zealand.
0: And what are the options for controlling them?
2: So initially... If it's possible to get a new incursion, something like velvet leaf is a classic example, if you can find a new incursion and get on top of it really early, you might be able to eradicate it. If you can't do that and you end up with something that's very widespread, then biological control can work on those things, particularly when chemical control hasn't been successful in um, either eliminating or keeping the plant at bay. We have some classic examples of chemical control failing to work with things like gorse, broom, ragwort, thistles, in that chemicals uh, are used year after year after year, and all they manage to do is to keep the problem at bay, but actually not decrease the problem in our environment. So when you end up in those situations, biological control can work really well. So biological control is around utilising natural methods to um, control that plant. So all of those plants, wherever they come from, um, they have a natural range of predators and herbivores that feed on them and attack them in their native range. So for things like gorse and broom and ragwood, it's England and Europe. So we go to those places, find out what attacks those plants. The best insects that we can find or diseases that we can find that um, have a real impact on those plants and their native environment, we bring those into New Zealand and we test them to find out will they attack anything other than gorse or broom or whatever we're targeting. And if they don't attack anything else, then we can actually look to release them into the country. So
0: we've had some very successful biocontrol introductions here?
2: We certainly have. One of our guiding light successes was um, St John's wort in New Zealand. That was um, a control programme back in the 1960s. It worked really well. Ragwort, huge benefits and, and massive control of ragwort in New Zealand. We've also had some impacts on some thistle species. Mistflower, which is a problem in the North Island, we've had some real impacts on that as well. So yes, there are some really good success stories.
0: Some failures as well?
2: It's hard to know what you might describe as failures. Um, There are certainly some insects that we've introduced where those insects have either failed to establish or have established and then died out or at such low levels in the environment that they actually fail to to, um, have any significant control on the plant.
0: Let's talk about a specific example then, Darwin's Barbary.
2: Right, so Darwin's Barbary is really quite a significant problem, Otago, south in the area, um, highly invasive. And there are two Barbary species, Darwin's Barbary, and I'm not sure what the common name of the other one is, I probably should know, but it's Glaucapa. And both are invasive, they're really unpleasant plants to work with and to have in the environment. Lots of spines on them. They do make very pretty flowers and wonderful coloured pretty berries and leaves and things like that. Hence probably why people brought them into their, their gardens has escaped, so it continues to advance across the countryside in Otago and Southland and um, takes over whole hillsides. so it becomes quite a monoculture of the plant. And in terms of chemical control, there are either not been chemicals which have been suitable to control it or the plant has not been controlled by chemicals properly to be able to reduce its impact on our environment. So we embarked on a biological control programme probably in the early 2000s And um, we looked at um, its native range in South America to see what was attacking it over there, particularly in Chile is where we've been looking. And we found a couple of weevils that attack the flowers and the seed pods. So there's a real advantage in being able to control the seed production of any invasive weed. It becomes less invasive if you can stop it producing seeds. And so it was kind of a target area. For us, it's a learning curve, trying to figure out how best to actually bring something in and then release it successfully into our environment. So um, we've managed to concentrate on the seed weevil of those um, of those two, the flower and the seed weevil. We concentrate on the seed weevil, and we've now been bringing seed pods in from Chile that have the grubs inside the seed pods, and those grubs, uh, there's one per seed pod. So we bring in the seed pods hold them inside our containment facility or quarantine facility and wait for the adult weevils to emerge from those seed pods. We test the grubs to make sure that they aren't carrying any diseases with them and um, we have a particular process for doing that. And then we also make sure that the adults are the right species so we get those identified as well. And when we're certain about those things, we can apply to MPI um, and ask them if it's OK if we make releases of these weevils into the environment. They say, yes, that's OK. And then we remove the adults from our containment facility and release them in the field. And we've been we've done that for two years in a row now. Don't know whether those weevils have established as yet. They are extremely small, really hard to find. But I imagine probably in a few years' time we'll be able to collect some seed pods off Darwin's Barbary and Otago and Southam and see if we can find the grubs inside the seed pods. And if we can, then we'll know that the thing's established.
0: Now, you've got some things to show me here.
2: We have the Darwin's Barbary weevils here, which are in in some alcohol in a container, so you can just see how small they are.
0: And I'd have to report they're extremely small.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And these here are the um, other weevil that we looked to bring in as well. So these are the flower feeding um, weevils and again like the seed feeding ones they were quite difficult to work on we don't know how to breed them in captivity and things like that so what we decided to do was to bring in the seed ones because they were easier release them get them established and see what kind of impact they have and then if we need another one then we've got the flower feeding weevils um, as well in the wings that we can actually bring in later we're also working on a rust disease that we're going to bring in for Darwin's barberry as well. So um, that's proving quite a problem to actually rear and work on, but that's been worked on up in Auckland with the rest of our team of pathologists. So that's another, hopefully another agent that we'll be able to release for Darwin's Barbary.
0: So a good approach is to have a two- or three-pronged approach?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you don't often find that one single insect will have a major impact on a plant and you usually would normally aim to have several. A seed feeder is always a good thing to have but we'd always like something which would attack the foliage or the stems or the roots or all of those kind of things.
0: So one of the keys for you is this understanding of how to rear insects.
2: Yeah, it certainly is, and it's kind of one of the really difficult things that we have to do. Many of these insects um, in their native range, people know about, but no one's ever worked on. So no one's ever tried to rear these things. And certainly no one's ever tried to mass rear them or host test them or anything else. So for us, it's um, quite a difficult learning curve when we first get these insects to find out about their life cycle, um, their biology. Do they have an overwintering phase? Um, Do they feed on leaves? Do they feed on roots? Do they like old plants? Do they like new plants? Do they like long days? Do they like short days? Like cold temperatures or hot temperatures? Now, all sorts of things that we have to try and find out about them, and um, it can take quite a long time to do that. How many different species have you got underway at the moment? We have four or five insects for field horsetail in our containment facility. Uh, one for alligator weed. We have two for Tutson, which is a hypericum. We have uh, two for Japanese honeysuckle, and we have at least one, maybe two, for pampas, which is something else we're working on. That's inside the facility, and outside, where we have three species of uh, treadescantia beetle which primarily are the ones that we're currently mass-rearing, the Tradescantia beetles, for release around the countryside.
1: So I've got all those, and I'll just...
0: Back in Wellington, Megan Banks is just finishing releasing her consignment of 280 Darwin's Barbary seed weevils. So you're going to be coming back and, and keeping an eye on these?
1: Well, the big thing is for them to survive through a winter. The real test will be coming back to this site in summer and seeing if we can find damaged fruit. So the fruit might be shriveled, which would indicate that there's larvae in there eating the seeds. Or another sign could be there'll be exit holes on the fruit, which shows it's developed and then exited the fruit.
0: And then the idea would be that if they do establish, that they would just slowly spread themselves through the Darwin's Barbary?
1: Yeah, and when we start really noticing an impact and if we can harvest them ourselves... By just bashing the bushes onto a tray and collecting up the weevils, we'll spread them as well. They'll eventually disperse themselves because they can fly, but we'll speed it up. But that will be once there's enough population there. So you've introduced them into two places, and they've been introduced in a couple of other places as well? Southland had some, and they actually got them in March, so I'm not sure how they're doing now over their winter. And Horizons Regional Council have got some as well. It is really exciting this being the first introduction of biocontrol agents against Darwin's Barbary because, as you can see, it is a real problem in Wellington.
0: So, Megan, what other kinds of plants have you been using biocontrol agents with around Wellington?
1: Um, well, quite a few. Greater Wellington has an active biocontrol program. So, historically, there are lots of agricultural species like ragwort. We would spread the flea beetle around, and now we're working on Californian green thistle. Here's a green thistle beetle that's doing really well. And then there's a buddleia leaf weevil that's also doing really well, so we spread that around. And quite a lot on broom. There's the broom gall mite, which has really taken off in the last few years, so we spread that around. And uh, We've recently had a release of the privet lace bug. We don't have as much privet in the Greater Wellington region as there is further north, but it's all prevention, so if we can get something on that now. What we do have now to just try and suppress it and prevent that spread like it has happened further north. That's all good.
0: And then hopefully over time our landscape will become more native and less weedy.
1: Yeah, hopefully. That is the aim. It's also helpful for productive land as well so less less investment on chemical um, spraying and things because once these agents are established you just leave them to it. You don't have to go back and keep spraying like you normally have to do for a lot of weeds. So we've done that one.
0: And, and now they're running around quite happily in there. So hope they go off and multiply. <laughs> <laughs> that was Megan Banks from Greater Wellington Regional Council and we also heard from Hugh Gauley at Landcare Research. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World. Ka